Do you hear that, Erica? I think so, yes. Yes. Those, that's revelry that's going on downstairs at a wedding in the mountains where you and I are this weekend. Mm-hmm. So instead of having fun at a party, we come upstairs and watch two episodes of Doctor Who before going to bed early. <laughs> we are old and sleepy people. We are nerds. <laughs> old, sleepy nerds. We are nerds. Well, because we started this podcast um, with like two episodes um, Back to back, the first one, and then we watched the last three of the cavemen. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been thinking, I can't wait to watch the Daleks. <laughs> and so it was you who suggested, hey, we're going to the mountains for a wedding to see friends get married. Let's bring along the DVD of the Daleks and maybe we'll watch it. I said just in case we were tired and stuff. And hey, look at that. We were. <laughs> <laughs> But we watched it. We watched the first two episodes. First two episodes. The Dead Planet and the... The Survivors. The Survivors. Good job. I'm trying to pay attention to the titles so that I remember them. Yeah. Terry Nation later, of course, made a series called Survivors. That's right. I watched the first two episodes of the remake. I watched the first... I think I saw both seasons, actually, now that I think about it. Of the new one? Of the new one, yeah. I just watched it for Patterson Joseph. You like Patterson Joseph? Well, I liked him in Neverwhere. I liked him less in Survivors. That's right. Do you know that Patterson Joseph and Christopher Eccleston have appeared in at least three things together? Really? Yeah. Doctor Who, obviously. He was in um, uh, Bad Wolf, Parting of the Ways. That's right. And then they were both in that HBO series, The Leftovers. Oh, yeah. I remember the commercials for that. And then now this new show called Safe House that's on ITV. No one is safe. No one is house. That's a joke no. for the Douglas movies listeners on the audience. Never mind. Okay. The only person who is house is is Hugh Laurie. That's not true. Who else is house? Um, I'm blanking on his name. Michael, Michael Sheen. Sheen. Yep. <laughs> From Doctor's Wife. That's a Doctor Who joke. We are going, yeah. Anyway, we watched the first two episodes. What do you think? Um, It was really difficult to watch these, and not just because I'm sleepy. Okay. I don't like the Doctor. He's a horrible person, and I hate him. <laughs> yep. Yes. I, it's, I'm having real trouble reconciling this character with who he becomes later. And I, it's, it's, there's some serious cognitive dissonance going on right now, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I feel about it. No, but it's, it was – I don't know how well it was laid out at the very beginning. You know, oh, by week 14, the doctor mm-hmm. becomes more likable or right. anything like that. And I do know, I do know that, I mean, I've always sort of had the idea in my head that it is Ian and Barbara who sort of help him become a better person. Uh-huh. But we're not there yet, and I'm trying to live no. in the now, and it's a painful now. I'm sorry, but you will notice that um, it's uh, when Barbara, when they land on the planet, which we don't know the name of yet, mm-hmm. and Barbara goes to Ian. Ian, where are we? Yes. Or in episode <laughs> two, yes. you know, like Ian, what are you Ian, know what, what are, are these they? creatures? Mm-hmm. Barbara doesn't trust the doctor. He, she's asking mm-hmm. Ian. Barbara's sort of us in this regard. Yeah. You know, everyone calls Susan the first companion. It's untrue because mm-hmm. Susan is just as um, alien and mm-hmm. unearthly as the doctor is. So really, Barbara and Ian are the two that we have to rely on to sort of be our right. focal points of the season. And so when you see. Barbara asking Ian who the Doctor is and who the Daleks are because we don't trust the Doctor yet to tell mm-hmm. us. 
It's funny though. I see so much of Peter Capaldi in <laughs> William Hartnell or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Cause this is, I could totally see Capaldi doing this. I couldn't really see any other doctor no. in betwixt him and Hartnell doing this kind of thing. Um, yeah. With a fluid link. You're right. Mm-hmm. And at the first, see, because I, I kind of knew what happened in this simply because I've heard enough podcasts about it. Right. But in that first episode, I thought that he had really, like, drained the fluid link on purpose. And I was just, like, spitting mad that, right. he would, that he would put everybody in danger that way. So in the second episode where he says that he he lied about it and that there's nothing fu- there's nothing wrong with the fluid link uh-huh. it's perfectly fine then i felt a little bit better about it because he wasn't that terrible um but it's still pretty terrible i want to think in doctor who and the docks the movie that was based on this mm-hmm. which i have seen which you have seen did did they drain the fluid link in that i don't because my so. memories get mixed up between how that movie played out. And I don't remember. You know, honestly, and it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember him lying about it at all in the movie. So I don't. I don't know how that. He lied. Out. He did, did lie. He lie? Okay. Yeah, the same. Maybe thing. Maybe it's just that it's Peter Cushing and <laughs> Liz from Verity has rubbed off on me, yeah. and Peter Cushing can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think of the food machine? I want one of those food machines. I would. I would pay good good solid cash dollars for that because mm-hmm. that was awesome they made a whole scene about that there's a whole scene about the that's food great. machine you know it reminded me of the scene from red dwarf where the cat finds out how to use the food machine <laughs> today's fish is trout a la creme enjoy your meal fish today's fish is trout a la creme enjoy your meal fish i won't do it all six times but no i will <laughs> exactly yeah. i would love one of those it, it's a nice scene though I like that scene because it shows them all sort of kind of getting along, you know? Mm-hmm. It was it was fun. It was one of the few moments of lightness we had. And it was just a neat sort of futuristic kind of thing, which really puts you in the uh, in the mindset of this is, this is a different thing. This is not your usual show. I mean, really, even this whole thing kind of reminded me of like B sci-fi movies of, of the 50s. Yeah. Um, you know, especially the Daleks control room, which was gorgeous. Uh, and and the the hallways and stuff. Man, mm-hmm. the sets in, in the second episode in the city are just amazing. I mean, I know their budget was not very high, but that stuff looks that looks great even now. Yes, Raymond Cusick. I wow. Yeah. yeah, designed that. Designed the Daleks. You look at the Daleks. That first shot of them. Mm-hmm. That was you know, I yeah I I was never a huge Dalek fan, but I think I'm a bigger fan of them in this. Just this sec- the second episode of this first story than I was at any other time because I now see that they really just they're the same they haven't changed nope. in any big drastic way and I try to put myself back in the the mindset of somebody back in those days and think like this was completely completely alien and different and new and it is I mean it's it's weird in in a way and maybe a little clunky but they have some a, a certain elegance to them and the total simplicity. I really like it. They're smaller. They're a little bit smaller in this one. The uh, oh, yeah. the base isn't quite as um, as pronounced as they are in the new series. They mm-hmm. get a little they get a little bigger as the years go on. They get really big in Victory of the Daleks. Well, yes. And they shrink back down again, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like them. Bigger is not always better. Yeah, I I really liked um, how Christopher Berry, the director, shot them. There's some really cool low angle. Shots is one shot of like mm-hmm. Barbara walking through the corridors, and it's like the camera 
big clunky cameras, you understand, mm-hmm. that is like almost like right on the ground shooting up. Oh. And you just sort of see her legs walk by. I thought that was like oh, some, yeah. just to sort of really get the, you know, the claustrophobia and the panic that Barbara eventually starts, mm-hmm. you know, seeing. Some good performances in this, too. I, I like the interaction of all the characters. I mean, Barbara's great when she's just on her own walking around the uh, uh-huh. walking around the city and being being scared and stuff. And I have to say, after my sort of complaints about Susan last time, I am completely on board with Susan in oh, really? this story. Yes, absolutely. She, yeah, she's, a, she's scared in the jungle, but with very, very good reason. Um, she doesn't get all hysterical. She's just, she's just really freaked out. Um, and even if she had gotten hysterical in this case, good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she is, you know, basically tasked to leave the city all by herself, go through the city in the jungle back to the TARDIS alone. She's so scared. That's a great performance. And, and yet she does it. And, you know, but that's, that's real courage is mm-hmm. being scared and doing something anyway. When you're not scared of something, that's not being brave. That's just not being scared. You almost, and you don't even realize this, you almost paraphrased a speech by John Pertwee to another character <laughs> in Planet of the Daleks, which <laughs> really? a lot of people see as almost, a, this is like season 10, we won't get this one for quite a while, mm-hmm. people see as almost like a greatest hits package of the Daleks, <laughs> because they get trapped in the city of Dalek City and have to wander around and escape. Pretty much they do everything that has been up, everything that's been done in that story has pretty much already happened in previous Terry Nation written Dalek stories. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen that story, so I was no. not on purpose paraphrasing. That's fine. When we get to it, though, act surprised. And you think, <laughs> sure. wow, remember this recording, episode three mm-hmm. of Lazy Doctor Who, and then you'll know. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I uh, I told you this. <laughs> you should save it for the podcast. So I am. <laughs> Here it is. Um, the cliffhanger for episode one, when Barbara is trapped up against the wall, could be my favorite cliffhanger of all time. Mostly because the music come, kicks in. It's that li- music, the avant-garde music from Tristram Carey. And the plunger <laughs> goes towards the camera. And you think, okay, it's just a plunger coming towards the camera. But that sound of that music and what really makes it is not only Barbara's um, pained reaction... But that the pitch of that scream that just sort of like perfectly blends with the music, and I think how they struck gold with that. Why they struck gold with it is because that was the second take of that entire episode. What they recorded the first episode in in sequence with the mm-hmm. rest of the story, and they discovered that there was camera on the headsets. All the headset chatter from the cameraman and everything gone on to the actual recorded track. I feel like I've heard this, yes. So they had to record the entire episode again a few weeks later. That's why when you you, told, you talked to me at the reprise and, mm-hmm. of episode two, it mm-hmm. looked different. That is the only surviving footage of, of the original version of episode one. Her scream was different, therefore. So yeah. I think I'm almost glad that that first recording didn't uh, come through because the, the scream and everything was different, and it couldn't. Mm-hmm. It could have been just quite not as perfect as it was. Speaking of reprise, mm-hmm. the I didn't realize that there's a reprise from the end of one story to the beginning of the next. That's right. Because this is my first time watching two William Hartnell stories back to back, so I didn't realize that we were going to see again at the very end of the Caveman episode, the beginning here with the. Uh, 
the um, the little what is it the readout wand yeah. going up into the uh, radiation. That's what I was looking mm-hmm. for. The radiation level. The radiation meter. Yes. Yeah. That was that was a surprise to me. Yeah, that was not played, a thing I knew. That was straight from the previous episode too. Played in on the studio, so they didn't have to uh-huh. remount the whole thing. You see. Wow. Another interesting thing. This is this is a, a, mom, a momentous weekend in Doctor Who and indeed in world history. The the remount of that first episode, which mm-hmm. they did like a couple weeks before broadcast, um, just about like maybe twenty minutes before they were due to record that thing, they and the rest of the world found out that John F. Kennedy was shot. They shot that. They filmed that second, um, the second episode again on oh. um, on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. So they so they shot the very first appearance of a Dalek on the twenty second of nineteen sixty three, and the next day is when the first episode of Doctor Who actually went out. Ah, wow! Quite a momentous weekend. So when you're looking at them in that in that, um, you know, performing in that in that episode. 9-11, their 9-11 has just happened oh and they're goodness. being expected to sort of act. So it's, 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 wow. it's interesting when you look at these things in context. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. Yeah. I, I, I like the performances. And again, I just keep coming back to watching these characters interact. I like the crowded TARDIS. I like having mm-hmm. all of these different, these different people interacting and, I'm so upset at the doctor because he's just a giant, petulant baby. Yeah. And I would like, I just wanted to cheer Ian on when he was putting him in his place he after was. he found out about the, the fluid link and just, you know, took it and was just like, you know, nope, mm-hmm. <laughs> mine now, basically. And, and cause he didn't want to leave Barbara behind, which was fantastic. And oh, speaking of Barbara, um, toward the beginning when they're just starting to go out into the jungle and search around, and Barbara is just oh, another really good performance when she's talking about how disappointed she is because she just had it in her head that when they when they left the caveman that they were going to go back home to places that that she recognized and things she could count on. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, you're breaking my heart. This is just so <laughs> poignant and so perfect. And it was it was underplayed enough that it wasn't over the top. And then you know she wants something she can count on. I think is what she says. And then and then Ian says, you've got me. And I was just like, oh my god, if the sh- if the shipping of of Ian <laughs> Barbara hadn't already started previously, this would absolutely do it. So this is like the cement, the cementing <laughs> of my shipping of Ian and Barbara. Yeah, because that was just so tender and touching and like this, their body language, they kind of lean in toward mm-hmm. each other. It's just beautiful. I'd like to know how they played that. Like how, if that was their intention or mm-hmm. how, you know. Yeah, I wonder. Although, I mean, Barbara is is a very clearly just a very caring character because yeah. at the end when the doctor is, is so weak and stuff, she's, she's, you know, attending to him as best she can, even though she's very, very sick. So she's just, she's a kind hearted soul. And that I, I like her so much. Everybody has talked her up a lot, which is kind of uh, on Verity, which has kind of made me nervous to watch these Barbara episodes because I mean, the way that Liz goes on about her, like she's, you know, a saint mm. and it's like, I was afraid that she wasn't going to be able to live up to that, uh, that reputation, but so far she really is. So, mm-hmm. whew. And you notice early on, too, about how the doctor reacts to Chesterton or Chesterfield. Chesterfield. 
wants to call him. You know, he's kind of snappy at him. You know, Ian's sort of looking over his shoulder, wondering what, how the fault locator works and everything. And he mm-hmm. kind of, ah, ah, stop asking me these questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's sort of like reprimanding Susan for being childish and everything mm-hmm. else. And yet he asked very, he asked Barbara very sweetly, I wonder if you could maybe go talk to Susan or something. You know, that's true. That's a nice. And then he comes in and goes, oh, no, he's, he sees that she's having mm-hmm. like a headache and stuff. I hope you're, are you all right? You know, that mm-hmm. he's, he's very caring towards Barbara. Yeah, I've, uh, Liz and Tansy have, have also said that he, they think that the doctor is sweet on Barbara. Very. Well, sh- maybe. We'll see. I, have, I haven't, uh, I mean, I guess I noticed those things now that you point them out, but they mm-hmm. didn't jump out at me, so. Uh, and whereas, but you know what? Uh-huh. Frankly, Barbara can do better because this guy is a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he gets better for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will come around and, mm-hmm. and I hope that I will come around with him. But right now I'm just, I'm very bitter. I'm very bitter and angry at the doctor. And I think that that's partially because I have such preconceived notions about what I think the doctor should be. So mm-hmm. I'm going back to the beginning, beginning and learning. And it's it's not uh, not not exactly what I've come to expect, but that's okay. Exactly. It'll get better. Mm-hmm. He will get better. He will soften probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he won't. Maybe we're all just sort of been apologizing for the first doctor. for. I doubt that because the, the few... You know, I've seen the first episode, as we discussed, of right. uh, An Unearthly Child. That's right. And the, the, other, the other stories that I've seen with William Hartnell are, are much later ones. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen... You uh, listen to Doc's Master Plan, for one. Yeah, Doc's Master Plan. That's not the same as seeing no. it, though. Time uh, Meddler? Did you see Time Meddler? Yep. Time Meddler right. and uh, The War Machines. Oh, right. And I really didn't have a problem with him in either of those stories that I can recall. I quite enjoyed them mm-hmm. both, so... So yes, I think it's just it's a process. Yep. It'll take it'll take getting there. I suppose it's kind of like, you know, when you look at a kid who's, you know, terrible twos or a teenager or something and is just being a complete brat and you just, you know, mm-hmm. shake my fist at little kids and then eventually they grow up to be cool people. I just have to wait for the doctor to grow up to be a cool person. Sigh. It's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. All right. But yeah, we'll we'll get there. You know, even if we have to keep doing this on <laughs> vacations which yeah incidentally if this doesn't sound quite the same as previous it's because we're recording it on a cell phone yeah Mm -hmm. it's not bad but that's where we're lazy though like that yes this is this is the this is the perfect episode of lazy doctor who the laziest of all lower in the bar yep lazy doctor who Mm -hmm. okay next time daleks episode three whatever that's called i don't know the name yet the escape Oh, yeah. It said it at the end. That's right, it did. Wait, isn't there a story called The Escape? No. No, that's The Rescue. rescue. Yep. That's, I think that's episode six. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. Yeah. Well, well, well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.